Aaron, how's your new wiener dog? <laughs> you know, he adores Suzanne. He really cannot <laughs> abide me. He doesn't like me much at all. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a fairly accurate judge of character. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I worked from home today, so every time I walked out of my office, uh, I would get this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're not known for their fierceness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he can, but- he can bite he can bite your ankle or just above your knee, and that's his range. Like, there's no and there's no in between. It's one or the other. <laughs> But watching them run across ice at a hockey game is awesome. <laughs> he's a he's a rescue dog, and apparently, uh, according to his fosters, uh, he had you know the the previous owners you know was a guy and was rough with him, so uh, he's getting over some issues. I mean, he he is he is such a weird little dog. He uh, he won't walk into. We got this little copse of trees in the front yard, and at nighttime he won't walk into them. I mean, it's like, are you fucking crazy? There's clowns in there. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, I, it was hysterical. I got out of the shower one day and he, he's standing in the bathroom door looking at me as I come out of the shower and he's growling. And I'm like, hey, Elmer. You know, his name's Elmer. I'm like, hey, Elmer, how are you? All of a sudden he peels out running away from me, barking his head off like, like he's saying, dude, I'm not into the butt stuff. Leave me alone. <laughs> Welcome to Star Trek Aegean. I'm Aaron, your Game Master. I'm Scott, I'm playing Captain Eno Tavan. I'm Neil, and I'm playing Dr. Adrian Ballard. I'm James, and I'm playing Exo Dothafalon. And I'm Dan, and I'm playing Chief Technician Sobki Krex. Very exciting. Well, we've got some business we've got to take care of before we, we move into tonight's events. Happy birthday, Scotty! <laughs> Happy birthday, Scotty! <laughs> Happy birthday, Scott Bonner! Happy birthday to you all! Thank you all, thank you all, my mama. Were you going for Mac tonight? <laughs> At least he wasn't I'm, going I'm for Marilyn he, Monroe. I'm disappointed he wasn't going for Marilyn Monroe. Now I'm envisioning <laughs> him in a white jumpsuit and not a red dress. <laughs> Happy Thank birthday, you, Aaron. Scott. Thank you. I mean, this is your Thank actual you birthday. Much. You are spending your birthday mm-hmm. evening with the boys. What a yep. sad, pathetic life you lead. <laughs> Since I was... <laughs> Happy birthday. We're glad you're here with us. Happy birthday. Uh, thanks. So. And in, in, in honor of your birthday, Aaron is drunk. No, no, that's just. <laughs> no, that's not. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. That's just another that's day. That's called night. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so since we uh, chatted last, there's been some controversy, if you will. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I feel like we have to, to tell our listeners about it. We're not going to resolve it today, but we're going to talk, talk to our listeners about it. I have been reading through Star Trek Adventures, the role-playing game from Modiphius. 
And I do not yet love the game. Love the setting. Beautiful book. I am not exactly wild about the 2D20 system. And so we've had a lot of conversation about it. I sent out a note uh, late one evening and said, guys, I don't love this system. Help me love this system. And so James immediately started sending me naked pictures. I'm not sure how, <laughs> how James Full Frontal is supposed to help me with that. Uh, maybe it's a cautionary tale. I don't know. But, uh, you know, immediately that's what, that's what happened. And now I've got James going straight to spam. Straight to spam. Um, but, uh, so, so guys chime in, what, 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 what were and are your thoughts around this conversation? I've only read about <laughs> half the book so far. I have to say that, uh, I was immediately struck by how this seemed like it was probably not as complex a system as it sounds like, but I was totally lost in the reading that I did just in the half of the book that I read. So it, it confused me really quick. I, I don't know if it's that the system is actually confusing or if just the writing, um, it makes it sound worse than it is. It's like suddenly there are subclauses to subclauses when it should be just like roll dice, did you win? Yeah, I, th- I, I've, as I said in some of the emails, I've seen a number of the other iterations of this system, and this is by far like the simplest of them because the other versions of the game have like talent trees and all this other stuff that just makes it pretty cumbersome, like 3.5 cumbersome. And this one, yeah, my opinion of the system is I think it's a solid system, but I think if we were to go forward using it, I think we'd just start out very basic with the basic roles for it until at least we get comfortable with it, and then we can start adding on stuff. There are some things like the the long-term project sort of things that I think they're stealing a little bit from uh, Atomic Robo with all the brainstorming. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's something that I absolutely love in Atomic Robo, right? The the rules around you know brainstorming and you know innovating that kind of thing. And I, when I played that, uh, when I played you know the the, the Fate system and uh, as it's applied to Atomic Robo, I, I remember thinking this would be great for Star Trek. So that is an yeah. element that I actually really like. Um, but you know, some of the the two D twenty stuff just seems to me. Complexity for complexity's sake. And so that's been my big concern. I'm sure that this can make for a really good Star Trek game for people, Mm -hmm. but it is going to take some commitment to get this thing down because, yeah, this is a different beast from anything I've looked at before for rule sets. Yeah. Uh, you know, so a suggestion was made as I was, as I was, you know, uh, feel like I'm being walked down the aisle, you know, uh, for for a, a marriage that, you know, an arranged marriage, as it were. And uh, the recommendation was made like, hey, maybe before we jump into the game, let's do a practice session with the rules. Let's spend some time together and just, you know, kind of hammer out how these rules work together. And so that's what we're going to do in our next episode is just going to be us trying some stuff out. And it won't be, you know, necessarily me all the time running a rule. It may be one of our other players as well as we just kind of talk about how it's going to work. So uh, more so than than most of our Ideology of Madness actual plays are, that episode will actually be built around demoing the rules. So you, you have that to look forward to. Um, and I forget mm-hmm. who recommended that, but I thought it was a really good recommendation. Um, so, you know, we're, we're not – I am not ready to run, run, run away from the altar <laughs> and, for, and uh, you know, Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Adventures RPG. 
Um, but you know, I, I'm willing to I'm willing to sleep with it a little bit. You know, fool around some, see if we can get the sparks flying. <laughs> right. That's, uh, that's that's why you had to be at the altar in the first place, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. Anyway, so you know that's coming up, but tonight. We're still sandboxing, and tonight we've got some things to talk about. But first, there's homework that's due. James had some homework, and I believe Neil had some homework. James has already submitted his. He's already turned his homework into me, and that was just some information concerning his personnel file. Uh, and so you'll you'll hear about that more as the as the game uh, moves on. Because what we're doing is we're, we're kind of creating the HR file for our captain, as played by Scott to review as he gets to know these these uh, officers who are joining his ship in, in episode one. Um, so, Neil, did you complete your homework? I did. Uh, I did not know we had to send it in beforehand. No, no, <laughs> you, you, you didn't yeah. have to do that. I'm just, you know, James just wanted to, to get some extra credit, you know, for being, for being <laughs> timely. So uh. <laughs> I, I need it. I'm, I'm given, given what my are going to be, I need the extra credit, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, anywho, uh, Neil, we'll want to make sure, and, and you'll, you'll share that with the, with, the, with the guys after, but thanks for having yep. that done. The big presentation this evening, and I'm sure it'll be a complete with a slide deck and everything, is going to be Gorn 101, as presented by our friend Dan. Now, Dan, why did mm-hmm. we need to do a Gorn 101? Because I decided in... Uh in my twisted brain that I really wanted to play a character that has absolutely no reference in the rule set in any way, shape or form. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, because the Gorn show up only in the first, in that one original series episode. And then I think they show up again in, uh, enterprise a little bit. Yeah. But Uh, they were changed around so much. They were pretty much unrecognizable. Right. Right. So, you know, we we have to kind of create some backstory there. We have to create mm-hmm. some, some racial information. Uh, we have to profile, if you will, uh, the Gorn species. So, Dan, take it away. All right. A lot of the info that I found, it turns out that there have been Star Trek uh, computer games, including, I believe, Star Trek Online, that use Gorn as a player-capable race. So that gave some opportunity for a little bit of flushing out. So what I did is I I picked some stuff I liked from that. I picked some stuff that was from maybe some uh, Star Trek novels from here and there. And just kind of worked it into what I felt could work with this particular type of setting. There's a number of uh, racial uh, traits here that are documented down. Um, I'll share the full document later. But we've got... The Gorn Hegemony, and that they're not terribly well known in uh, the wider galaxy, but they're not completely unknown anymore either. They stuck to themselves until the uh, Kirk incident, and then they became known to the Federation. Before that, they were well known to the Klingons because there have been Gorn and Klingon battles and skirmishes for many, many centuries because they're they their lands border each other so there's constant pushback from both sides trying to reclaim worlds that both considers theirs so there's a whole lot of that i uh put together here as far as uh species traits uh that uh 
I do like the idea that they're exothermic in nature. So uh, as most reptiles are cold-blooded, they get their body heat from external environment. He has uh, equipment that'll help deal with that in areas where it's cooler than he would find comfortable. Mentioned that in previous episodes. Going off of just what we see in the one arena episode from uh, original Trek, we know that they're really durable and really strong. I mean, that rock he throws at Kirk is like good size. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That thing's big. Uh, So we'll have to work out rules for what would be practical there. Most everything I've seen is saw, though, that as far as video games go, Gorn are regenerators. So these guys are meant to be tanks. And so I took that, but I, in my concept, I toned it down considerably. So, yeah, it'll regrow a hand, but it'll take a long time and it'll really hurt. Now, you know, in that uh, original series episode, you know, with Captain Kirk and, and the Gorn fighting on Cestus Three, is that that Gorn didn't have a tail, but should we assume that its tail had just been pulled off and it just hadn't grown its tail back? I don't know. You don't, None you don't of have the... to answer that right now. I'm just all of a sudden I was like, oh, the regenerators, maybe he had a tail. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Some of the um, pictures that I found actually did show like a very short stubby tail that they mm-hmm. have that would have just been covered up by the clothing that he was wearing. Mm-hmm. But I'm not against the idea that they might have a longer tail that he just might have lost his in a recent battle before that whole incident. Right. Or, you know, used it to feed somebody with. Here, the yeah. gift of my tail. Eat my tail. Or or ripped it off and beat someone with it. Oh, That's yeah, also even better. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, why do, why do are your games involve people eating other parts of other people? Because just... people are delicious. They're delicious, <laughs> James. <laughs> That's why. I'm sorry. We didn't mean to interrupt you, Dan, except we did. That's okay. Go ahead. I, uh, I decided that the uh, I really wanted to keep the funky eyes that we had in the original uh, arena episode. So he's got those sparkly, multifaceted dome eyeballs and that you can see into the infrared spectrum, but that they can see normal objects clearly, but the color shift is all off. They see everything in a sepia tone. Ooh, so interesting. I, I'm liking the idea that, you know, if somebody b- brings up colors about something, he, he's he got no idea. <laughs> as far as he's concerned, everybody's uniform looks the same. It's all grays and grays. Right. Because the, the colors distinguishing don't have any effect on him. So he just has to know what branch and what uh, division somebody's in. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, for for people who are colorblind, it's it's probably hard to figure out which. Uh, you know, I t- keep telling you, I'm not in sciences. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if point. he ever if he ever has to disarm a bomb, though, I'm a little concerned with the red wire, blue wire. Sort of thing. <laughs> They're all wires. They're all wires. <laughs> actually, Everything being a technician, like yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's got a tricorder that'll actually like look at it. No, no. He needs to wear the hairband uh, uh, Jordy thing <laughs> over, his, over his over his big sparkly eyes. That would, that would be a good look for your Gorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be kind of cool. It, yeah. It's uh, 
yeah, it's not necessary. It's just a fashion statement. That's right. That's right. It's an affectation. <laughs> yeah. He's in an 80s band. I'm rocking this visor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, for the Gorn species, um, one thing I adopted from stuff I found was that they are very uh, artistic in metalworking. So many of them have, you know, very delicate, very beautiful, intricate metalwork designs. The armor that uh, Gorn warriors wear are usually very ornate and and uh, beautiful in the sculpting. And I was thinking, yeah, metalworking makes sense because if they can see in the infrared, they can really gauge that heat of the metal just right whenever they're tempering. So I thought that would be kind of cool. So since he's, uh, you know, since Gorn are are cold-blooded, is it how uncomfortable, excuse me, how uncomfortable are his quarters to, uh, you know, warm-blooded species? I'm thinking that his quarters might be kept at around, I don't know, maybe a nice dry 105 degrees. Right. Livable. You know, you could survive in there. Yeah. It's just not going to be a pleasant time. Right. And then how unpleasant is the rest of the ship to him? Basically, you're outside in a, uh, a, a maybe a 40, 50 degree evening in a T-shirt. So it's chilly, but he can function. But with his uh, heat regulators, he's perfectly good. Gotcha. But I'm thinking that if if a malfunction happened in that story wise, he can function, but Maybe he's just going to start slowing down after a little while. Mm-hmm. You have to find a heat source to kind of heat himself up a bit. Get some hot tea or something. <laughs> Lay on the warp core. You know, that kind yeah. of yeah. <laughs> He's basking on the, get, on get the, off the anti-matter drive. Uh, uh. <laughs> All right. Anything else, Dan? There's a ton of stuff that I found, but I think <laughs> most of it is going to be more interesting in reading. There's just a lot of stuff as far as species background and they're fighting with the Klingons and all that. I think that's the most gameable, interesting stuff. I wonder how many species in the galaxy have something in their history called the Kirk incident. (laughs) (laughs) Probably a lot of them of like new, new, uh, you know, subbreeds of their species. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he unmade our, civilizations every other episode. Yeah, that's right. As you do. Yeah, prime directives are for other people. Uh, <laughs> people without vision. Um, so I was reading. I was reading the rule book, and I'm in the. I'm reading this section with all the uh, like all the the outtakes or the the fluff material that you might that people mm-hmm. might call it, and they talk about. Um, the Cestus three incident, yeah, and they that the Gorn um, are um, mating cycles because they are um, their breeds their genders are determined by heat. Did you did you find that information, Dan? Is that new no, to I didn't. you? Yeah, so no, I it's didn't in catch the, that part. I only saw the one bit where it was like a quote from the current uh, Gorn monarch that she was talking about, like one of the new. Federation ships, it's like really little. Mm. But, that, yeah, so, I have to find that. How does That's that a, work? Well, well, okay, so there's there's two interpretations that I that I got out of that. One of them is so like alligators and crocodiles, the depending on how hot the nest is and how hot it is where the eggs are arranged in the nest, 
um, the gender determined by, by like a difference of a degree or two um, between you know the males and the females. So sometimes the okay. center of the nest will be one gender and the outer parts will be another gender because the the heat's different and sometimes the whole nest will be one gender because it's all over or below the threshold. But it also made me think of the part from Jurassic Park where, um, you know, the frogs change gender as needed if there aren't members of the other gender. Um, So it could, depending on how Dan and Aaron want to do it, uh, Sobe could uh, flip genders in the middle of a game depending on whether or not he is around enough heat for long enough or if he's in the cold for too long. Do we really want to give that control to uh, to Aaron? Aaron has crafted a, crafted a chart, one to two, male, three to four, female, five to 20, whatever he thinks is funny at the time. <laughs> Well, and, you know, the, you get to throw in the whole transgendered and, you know, it, it just becomes so much fun, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. We'll, we'll put it. We'll put a, a pin in that. We'll come back to that. Yeah, you can't, <laughs> you can't. You can't use this bathroom today, Soki. You cannot use this bathroom today. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else for Dan that doesn't involve uh, discriminating against him? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, good work, Dan. Thank you for doing the homework. Moving on, the, the the last bit of our sandboxing for before we get into the actual game, I wanted to talk about the kind of adventures that we want to have. And in particular, you know, what are the types of stories you want to see? Uh, what, what are the types of stories you'd like to see less of? You know, are there particular elements you're interested in? So I just kind of want to talk about that. And, and you know, what, what may be helpful is if I just kind of refresh everyone's memory on, on, on what the setting is in the game. We, all, we will be playing in that space about a year following the events of Star Trek Nemesis. Uh, and if you'll recall, at the end of at the end of Star Trek Nemesis or in Star Trek Nemesis, much of the Romulan governing council is wiped out by bad guys in the movie. Then the bad guys in the movie take over the the Romulan government, and then they're wiped out by the good folks of the Starship Enterprise. So um, the Romulans are are sort of in a, in a period of upheaval. You know, they're having to, you know, reelect, they're having to reassign their government the whole bit. As our game picks up, you know, the Federation has come in to assist. And, you know, there is a long standing distrust between the Federation and the Romulans. And so, you know, this isn't a, hey, yeah, come and help us because we're, we're such good neighbors. It's, yeah, we, we're, we're going to grudgingly take your, your assistance because, we're, this is how bad off we are. And of course, you know, the, the, the United Federation of Planets view this as an opportunity to improve the relationship with the Romulan Star Empire that has always been dodgy. You know, always been dodgy. Even during the Dominion War, that pe- folks were having to look over their shoulders about the Romulans. So our ship then is assigned to a far distant sector of the uh, Romulan Star Empire on its borders, uh, part of those borders bump up against the Klingons, a longtime uh, nemesis between uh, of the of the Romulans, and then you know frontiers of space that uh, 
you know, the Federation at Starfleet have never been to before. So, you know, an opportunity to explore. So that all said, you know, kind of setting that table, tell me what you might be interested in. And in no particular order. So feel free just to jump in. Well, clearly we're setting up puppet puppet dictators that support the Federation. I mean, that's number one. <laughs> well, well to, to sort of riff off on that, I was thinking like, this would be a prime opportunity for something like Section 31 to try to take down the rest of the the yeah. Empire in some way. Like, there, this is an Hence opportunity. the puppet government. Just, yeah, yeah, it's the puppet government. <laughs> I'm not necessarily saying that we are Section 31, but just to have that presence come up. We might be Section 31 adjacent. Yeah. (laughs) Or Section 31 of Hope. 31 and a a half. (laughs) I put uh, in the background of my character, I put that he had um, worked um, almost worked for Section 31, like they'd skirted paths multiple times, if you wanted to use that. You know, obviously, we've got a character hook there. Any anything else that uh, is coming to mind concerning, you know, covert actions? Yeah, I, I totally think Sobke could blend in as a uh, <laughs> Romulan agent uh-huh. and uh, infiltrate. <laughs> Just paste some ears to the side of your head. <laughs> yep, exactly. Doctor, a headband. Just... We all know a headband is the perfect disguise. A big, wide one. <laughs> Doctor Ballard will just push up his sleeves, get a hammer, a saw, and put go on, work on the reconstructive surgery. <laughs> he's a regenerator. He'll grow back. Right. I said he's a regenerator. Yeah, but that would take years. Um, I'll see. This is only gonna hurt for a second, but damn, is it gonna hurt? <laughs> Um, I think I want to say that uh, my favorite Trek stories are the ones that have uh, a moral quandary where they are like really caught up in trying to decide what is morally sound direction to go. And I think that uh, with my character write up, I tried to write him up as someone who is coming off of war and has done some bad things and is trying to decide whether he's going to reset his moral compass. And so stories with that kind of tone, I think, would be interesting to me. At the same time, I don't want to have a story that has that kind of tone while sacrificing what is the kind of the Star Trek tone. So, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Scott, because I I recall when we were talking about your character specifically, you shared, I think, I think something about yourself as well, that you enjoy ethical questions, uh, morality questions, that kind of thing. And I think that was something that, that you responded to in Star Trek. One of, the, one of the things that's, you know, classic from the original series and, and certainly in Next Generation as well is that sort of exploring current issues through the metaphor of science fiction, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that something you're interested in, in seeing here? Absolutely. I think it wouldn't be proper Trek without some touching on that. So let me ask you this question because, you know, we, we live in kind of a, a polarized political world right now. Um, and I, I, I want to be just, you know, open and honest, you know, about this question because um, are there subjects that you are not comfortable with? It, you know, put it, running it through the the uh, 
the Star Trek metamorphosis <laughs> uh, and making it part of, a, of that science fiction uh, mm. morality ethical question. Is there something you'd say, hey, Aaron, I, that's not something that's going to be fun for me? Which movie was Metamorphosis? I don't remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a novel. Uh, a Star Trek oh, okay. novel where Data became human. Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't bad. Uh, there's there's nothing for me, Aaron. It's it's all game. I mean, it's, yeah. it, 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 it just gives us a chance to be the good guys or to go through the you know process of having to deal with those moral pro- those moral and ethical problems where... where you know, it's not always black and white. There's not always a good guy and a bad guy. There can be there are shades where you have to make decisions. And I, I suspect that out of the five of us in the real world, we might make s- slightly different decisions. And uh, that's probably only going to be enhanced when we're pretending to be other people. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, can't really think of anything that I would be really averse to in real life. I avoid various topics like religion and politics like the plague but oh, yeah. uh, oh and sports i lump those three <laughs> together three that bring out the worst in humanity i avoid all three of those and so but in a fictional context like this i really don't care i am very thick-skinned about all that stuff so i would be happy to explore anything my politics have been all over the place in the course of my life so i am not offended by any of it I would hope that it's ca- that whatever we do is couched enough in uh, you know science fiction and setting that it's you know that the numbers are kind of filed off. You can go, oh, I think that's what they're talking about, but uh, hopefully it wouldn't be too yeah. on the nose. So if somebody's going, hey, <laughs> you know, well, and, yeah, that's and science when it's ham handed. Yeah. And, and science fiction really is one of the safest areas to explore mm-hmm. those issues. I, I, think, I, will, um, I will tell you, I've been thinking about this a great deal. And, you know, I was like, you know, I, I feel like a year and a half ago, it was probably safer to do that. But it just seems like, you know, over the last, you know, uh, 12 or 18 months that that, uh, you know, things have just gotten awfully, awfully contentious and uh, a, little, a, a little harder to have those conversations. So I, I felt like it was important to have that one, have that conversation here. Yeah. I think um, if I can just say this, I think that the only time that it seems to be problematic to tough tackle these tough issues, and even if you do it in a controversial way, is if you do it in a way where the other participants are like, "Is he really got an issue here?" Or is so as long as it's like clear that you're not like working out your own actual prejudices. Agree. We'll be fine. <laughs> agree. No, I agree. Well, and, and I think it works the other way around as well. I mean, you know, prejudice in terms of a, of a uh, you know tilting towards a given position, right? Not prejudice mm-hmm. necessarily mm-hmm. against against people, but you know, prejudice against right. an issue. And I agree. I, I think that you can. And I, I and I've read those books, by the way. I've read, I've read those books where the author clearly has an agenda. Uh, and I think that that if we're doing it right, we're exploring the idea versus uh, you know extolling one position or another, maybe. Um, and certainly, you know, the, the characters can extol whatever position you know is appropriate for them. But I would hope that I'm not dropping something down where it's like, "Good, this is a good man, this is a bad man." You know, like an Oliver Stone film. Uh, you know, Star, Star Trek I think should be a little bit more nuanced than that. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a function of trust among the players uh, that they respect each other. And then in this particular case, it would be trust in the podcast audience that they're listening to people who are like decent people and not people with access to grind and crazy ideas. Decent people and James. So, <laughs> Aaron, the irony of you saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and I sang you happy birthday. <laughs> I know, and that was great. <laughs> but not Marilyn. This is, this is a trick there. Yeah, that's true. Hey, that's true. I, don't even, I don't even have to defend myself from that. But I look forward to when we have to massacre an entire planet full of anthropomorphic weenie dogs because they're territorial. Well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> There's Aaron working out his personal issues. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. Um, so we, we, we've, we've, we've attacked that issue pretty well, I think. Um, other things that you might be interested in or you want to make sure are present in the game? I think... I think talking about the 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 puppet dictators and all that. It, what is the uh, the Romulan secret intelligence? The Tal Shiar. Yeah, yes. Tal Shiar. I I it, this seems like the perfect opportunity for them to try to enhance their power. So they seem like yeah. a good resurgence. I, I thought they were actually right. kind of disbanded during Deep Space Nine. Uh, yeah, I think but the Tal Shiar a- was kind of wiped out. But, Even if they were, this would be a fine time for that idea oh, to yeah. research. Absolutely. All, all it oh. takes is one guy that wants to get it back, and it's perfect timing. Well, I mean, if you want to look at allegories to today, you know, like the former factions of KGB or the S- FSB right. mm-hmm. you know, now coming back. So you know, we, we've got kind of an issue with you know Section 31 possibly at work, as well as the Tau Shi'ar, uh, each with their own agendas, and and uh, you know the, the good crew of the USS Aegean right in the middle. Yeah, and but also I, I think also other you know whether there are other factions as well that are going to take advantage of this opportunity too, mm-hmm. not just not just the Federation setting up their puppet, but uh, yeah, everyone's going to have their puppet attempt. Yeah. It's like a Muppet show. The Klingons are going to push their borders, too. Yeah, you yeah. got the Muppet yeah. show, you got Fraggle Rock, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Puppets everywhere. I, I'm just looking, one thing I'm really looking forward to is just fun, cool stuff to do with the ship. I'm just, I'm a, I'm the tech nerd. I just like the tech and I get into that stuff as a, I'm, you know, staring at some of the blueprints I'm doing of the ship and I, I want I thought, fun toys. I thought you were going to gonna say you were gonna we were gonna take it out into the parking lot and burn donuts but that's bad. <laughs> what you're saying. that that's what i heard as well james uh, hey i want to say which, by the way quick. the fact that you're doing those deck plans is just still amazing to me yeah i agree I, that's what i was gonna say is you, i get the feeling thank you so much i get the feeling i get the feeling you're one of those guys that like I admire and like, but also secretly hate because you do these amazing things. And I'm like, I could do that if I had any kind of like drive to, to do, do that. <laughs> exactly. Kind it's, of stuff. it's all just, you know, learning the program. Well, my recommendation, my recommendation, James, is that you wait until Dan has built up a sufficient body of work and then you murder him <laughs> and take credit for it. <laughs> that's sort of my hey. move. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, I'm 
always looking for more fodder for Blackguard Press. So if I thought that he had any kind of maps that I could use, I would steal them and use them. Because the graphic design is always where I fall down. I can write words all day, but when it comes to drawing, I'm, I'm boned. So. Yeah, I, I can't really draw, but I can do Photoshop pretty well. Well, and you know, while while we're touching on it, uh, this group of guys is is a great group of players because all I have to do is is start the conversation, and those guys run with it. In fact, they start nagging me because I, I haven't sent an email or something in several days, and uh, you know, well, maybe we should check in with the GM on this. Bah, fuck the GM. We'll do it ourselves. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll I'll you know poke my head out of the dirt, and I'm like, huh, look, look, they're running the game without me. Okay, awesome. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't want to tell you, but we've run, been running the game for like two weeks now. Yeah, so. I figured as much. I figured <laughs> as much. <laughs> we'll give you the cliff notes. No, it's it's great. I love it. I, you know, I, I some of my best experiences are, are when you're able to uh, walk away from the from the table and just let the players, you know, talk amongst themselves. I we were I think we were at the the second or third fear of the con, and. Uh, James is asking me, he's like, why, why aren't you at your table? Aren't you running a game right now? I'm like, I put a map on the table, and they're making plans. <laughs> <laughs> and I was worried that I didn't have an Aaron also ter- calls them bad, giving them rope. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, I, I, I had I had worried der- as, as I prepared for that game that I didn't have enough material to occupy the full four hours. So I put the map down, and that consumed more than half an hour right there. And I was like, okay, we're back on schedule. We're good. <laughs> uh, I've got yeah. pictures of them all crowded around the map. It was great. But uh, – <laughs> Yeah, no, I love the, that. I, this is the thing that I love is is you know players talking amongst, amongst each other, you know, helping to flesh out the world and you know thinking up big ideas. And you know, when I was a younger GM, I hated that that everything had to run through me when I was when I was a younger GM that I had to control every bit of of stuff that happened in the game, uh, both prepping for the game as well as running the game itself. And I have since learned the lesson that my life is a whole lot easier if I have other people do the work. Uh, so you guys are awesome i i love what you guys are doing uh the best solution for that kind of thinking is to go into the game with no plan (laughs) (laughs) you'll figure it out (laughs) exactly Exactly. um i want to say that uh one thing i'm looking forward to with thinking about the ship Uh is that it's an old ship that's been retrofitted many times so it's going to have squirrely things from previous retrofits still around (laughs) right and Mm -hmm. we have i think three of our characters that are happy to tinker and experiment and modify <laughs> the ship and screw around with things. So I think that's going to be great. No, no I yeah. agree. I agree. You know, she may not be an NX class, but there's going to be experiments. Well, I am, sh- I am sure nothing will go wrong at a critical juncture. I am certain that, that won't happen. <laughs> I have totally actually I, the, over this past week I keep thinking all right so um, over this past week I've thought multiple times okay I'm going to have to be captain so I'm going to decide what's going to be allowed what's not allowed <laughs> and, and so I'm thinking about my rules the rules for my ship as if I was going to really run a freaking ship yeah yeah absolutely. <laughs> right, here's what I have to tell the freaking lizard man he cannot do that's right, that's right. I, I just have to ask you know at my previous posting I was allowed to have soda on the bridge. Is that going to be okay? <laughs> I have to tell you, that line in the Orville cracked me up. I, I just I, that absolutely cracked me up. 
That's somebody who's worked in an office before, right? <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. yeah that, I I like that show. That's where I'm getting my track. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly not in Discovery. No, no, not so far. Yeah. But I'm hopeful for episode three. I'm hopeful. And yeah. by the way, folks, right. we're recording this the week after Star Trek Discovery premiered. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a little fresh on our brain. I still okay. have not seen it. My DVR since uh, 60 Minutes was post uh, ran out ran late. Oh yeah, I didn't get to see it. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, I think there's a there's a free week offer right now on uh, the CBS All Access if you want to watch it. Yeah, I think that's what I'm mm-hmm. going to do. Yeah. So, all right. Any any other things that you want to add? Anything that you want to uh, you know for for me to consider for encounters and you know things to happen in the game? I like robots. I just think it'd be cool to see, like, <laughs> it doesn't have to be, like, data-type stuff. Uh-huh. I'm thinking more, like, just encounter, like, old tech once in a while. I just think it'd be neat to just encounter things that, oh, there's a station that's been here for, you know, 250 years. Right. Oh, look, look, there's a robot that maintains it. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> oh, it's trying to kill me now. Uh, right. Oh, it's, I'm being a- murdered by the by the 1950s-era robot. Yay. Crush, kill, destroy. <laughs> yes. Uh, danger, danger to you. <laughs> Isn't there something in the Star Trek back backstory that explains why there's hardly ever in a robot, at least as an ally? Like in the same way that they, they don't have um um genetic mutation or genetic manipulation because of the genetics wars. Isn't there something about robots too? Uh, so. Clone Wars. The uh, droid armies, they, they're just... Thanks. Oh, are you <laughs> yeah. confusing your Star Wars with your Star Trek? You got your Star Wars in my Star Trek. <laughs> maybe, they don't maybe serve their kind the, here. Maybe in the Star Trek universe, they just paid attention to every movie about robots ever. That's right. Right. That's right. Because they never abide by those, you know, Asimov laws. Yeah. They never do. They're always killing people. Elon Musk was just more influential in that universe, and there we go. All right. Well, next time, we're going to take those rules out for a spin, and then after that, it's off to the most dangerous frontier in our Star Trek Aegean. Star Trek Aegean is a production of iomgeek.com. Theme music provided courtesy of Some Dead Guy. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. No Klingon warriors underwent the Choha in the production of this podcast. Jolan True.